to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. Praise God. So all of the sample family, as you can tell, are not here. Um, they are gone for the weekend at a high school graduation. But they wanted to send their love and tell you guys that they love you guys and they miss you very much. And they'll be back real soon, okay? Okay, let's go ahead and stand up and do the USA Confession. Ready? Here we go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, you know what time it is. It's meet and greet. Let's go love on each other, give hugs, welcome everybody, okay?
Let's raise our hands to God. Let's think about Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's sing. And I praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. As we sing to you, Jesus. You are my first love. I praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. We sing to you, Jesus. Sing. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. And I, and I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. All right, Miss Desiree, take it away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Did everybody get their hugs and their love this morning? Does everybody feel loved today? All right, praise God. So once again, if you missed my announcement earlier, um, pastors are all, oh, you guys may be seated. Go ahead and take a seat. Sorry. Pastors are out of town. They're at a graduation. Um, they miss and they love all of you guys. They are streaming um, today. They're watching us um, from Indiana. So hello, guys. We miss you and we love you. And I just have a few announcements, okay? You guys love announcements? All right, here we go. So we have a new lift group. How many of you guys have been able to come on Saturday mornings? Raise your hands. Okay, a few of you. Okay, that's okay. Um, if you're available Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., we are meeting here at the church. And Rosalinda over here, Rosalinda, raise your hand. Rosalinda over here is um, leading that group. It's an amazing group. Um, and she does a small devotion to remind us of why we should take care of our bodies, why it's important for us to take care of our bodies. And then we walk the property. So some people are a little more advanced than others, and they're jogging and whatever. Some people are fast walking. And if you're like me, you're just walking, you know. So everybody's at their own pace. We understand that. We get that. But it's also a good time to come fellowship with one another because while you're walking, you can talk, right? You could talk about things that are going in your on in your life. You could talk about things that you need prayer for. You could talk about testimonies, whatever. But it's a good time to get you connected to find friends in God's house, right? So don't miss out on that. Um, it's just a small 20 to 30 minute walk. We do about a mile around. Um, and if you see all of this property is just a great place and a safe place to come and walk, right? Um, also, Rosalind is also sending out devotionals twice a week. So maybe you can't make it, but maybe you want to find out about why it's important to take care of your body. Um, if you want to have those links, those devotions sent to you, see Rosalinda so she can add you to those groups, okay? It's really good stuff. Um, it's 
blesses me every single time it gets into my phone. So you want to be a part of that, right? Also, um, the Lift Tuesday night um, Bible study and prayer on Zoom is every second and fourth Tuesday. You guys don't have to go nowhere. It's a Zoom meeting. But it's an amazing time where Miss Rosalinda and Miss Betty, they partner back and forth and they talk normally about what happened in Sunday morning services, right? So they sit here and they, they go over the word. But you know, in service, you're not able to ask questions. You can't raise your hand and be like, I didn't really understand that. But this is a time for you to get into a group and you can say stuff like that. Or you can say, hey, that um, sermon really blessed me. And I was able to learn this and this and this from what pastor said. Or you can ask questions like, I really didn't understand what they were saying or what that verse meant. What does that verse mean? And you're really able to grow spiritually, but you're also able to make connections in the church as well. Um, we're not meeting together yet. It's still on Zoom. Uh, and if you're not a part of that, see Rosalinda again. Um, and she'll make sure that you get the link to be able to do that, Okay. Also, oh, and I'm sorry, that's um, at 6.30 p.m. every second and fourth um, Tuesday, okay? Um, Today is General Store. We're super excited about that. If you don't know what General Store is, our children's church uh, ministry works really hard to bless the kids. We want to teach them at a young age to bring their Bible, to know their memory verse, to behave, to act correctly, to bring friends to church. So all these different things get some points. And upstairs up here, we have a wonderful general store where they get to buy all these wonderful toys and get to go home and play with them. So we love you, parents. Please don't be mad at us because your kids have worked so hard to get those toys up there, okay? Um, so we have things like bubbles, candies, chips, all kinds of good prizes for them to spend. So after service today, you're going to pick up your kids from over here in this room, okay? And then also... We had a little misunderstanding last week, um, but we are selling root bear floats today. Okay, I promise. There will be root bear floats today. So after service right outside, go ahead and enjoy a root bear float. That money goes to help the missions trip. We have a few people that have been working really hard to go on a missions trip to just take the word of Jesus to others. Um, they're going to do skits. They're going to do whatever they can to help um, to help out over there. So it's super important that we kind of sew into them. So we've been doing little fundraisers, and this is um, a fundraiser that we're going to do to help them out. Okay. With that being said, Miss Rosalinda is going to take up our offering for us because it's happy time. Why is it happy time, guys? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And why are we so cheerful? Um, I, have a, I have a cool little testimony that I'm going to share. But first, we're going to do some scripture. Um, I can't tell you how thankful I am to have been sitting under pastors who understand the principles of sowing and reaping and, and are faithful to teach them to us. We're going to go to Malachi 3, 8 through 11. So Malachi 3, 8. Um, so when I got here, I can't say that I was a cheerful giver. I didn't, I, I needed my money. <laughs> my, my finances were a mess. Um, so the, the idea of giving, giving a little bit, I, I could do offering, but I didn't understand the difference between a tithe and an offering. So a tithe is a 10%. That's God's portion. 
for every for your income, all of your increase, you give that 10%. Took me a while to get there, but I got there and because my I had faithful pastors telling me that's how you get the covering. That's how you get your your finances protected. That's not to get things. That's really for your protection. Um, and then I learned about offering. So I'm going to talk a little bit about offering. But first I'm going to go, I think I've given enough time. Uh, so Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts. I will, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there will be no room for you, and uh, not be room enough for you to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor fail to bear fruit for in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So what does that say? Who doesn't want, I was talking about the protection, who doesn't want to know that you've got somebody out there who is constantly and consistently rebuking the devourer? Who's the devourer? Satan. Satan will come in when everything else is going well. He will come in and start messing with your finances. There'll be weird bills that pop up. You'll just, things will stop working. And um, and I've been under this teaching enough to have heard, hey, you know, this is how we fight our battles. We we pray and we rebuke that. So if you're a tither, if you're giving your 10%, you can rebuke that. But there's also um, sowing and reaping. And when you have things going on and you're sitting under the protection, sometimes then it's time to sow into some sow some seed and to, um, to offer. So that's the offering part. When you have a need and you're offering into it. So um, the testimony really isn't my testimony, but my son Joseph, I got his permission to tell this story. Um, he's 17 for all of you who don't know him. And if you've ha- if you have a teenager, have ha- raised a teenager, you know that there's plenty of time to doubt yourself. Like, am I doing this right? Um, but I've just been consistently here in the church and doing what's taught to me. So we've had some weird things going on in our house with money. Um, and this past week, I was like, oh wait, 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 because I started feeling stress and started feeling worried. And then I, when I'm feeling that, that means I'm carrying it, and it was never mine to carry. So let me give this back to the Lord and let me sow some seeds to um, to show that I, I believe this and I trust this. So I did a sowing and reaping lesson. I teach um, lead in youth, so in case you didn't know that. Um, one way that the Lord speaks to me is by helping me to speak to them. So I needed the lesson, so I shared the lesson with them. Go read the scriptures on sowing and reaping, get myself, you know, get my mind right because I know that this is the Lord. And I sowed some seeds into those kids. Well, um, part of how we teach our own kids is not by what we tell them, because a lot of this is caught, not taught. It's just showing the example. That was Wednesday night. On Thursday night, we went to graduation. My son has been getting, um, he's been getting blessings. He's been having people giving him cash. So he had $321 in his wallet. And we went to graduation for somebody else's graduation, not his, and he lost his wallet. Now, if you've been to Barstow High graduation, there's like thousands of people there and we live in a world that maybe isn't so honest so he realized why we're sitting in the seats he didn't have his wallet he we figured it was either in the car or at our friend's house that we were staying that we had been at before so didn't freak out it's okay joseph it's fine it's we'll, we'll go find it it wasn't in the car 
it wasn't at their house. Um, so he started getting a little worked up. I was, you know, trying to keep it cool, having a talk with my son about carrying that kind of money if you're going to be distracted. Um, but he said, Mom, I really need to pray about this. And I was like, yes, yes, we do. So we prayed about it. A little while later, he came out and he said, I haven't been honest. I haven't really been in my, giving like I'm supposed to, Mom. And I think that's why these, these things keep happening. Because he's had, like, silly things, stuff break, lose stuff. Um, he's like, all of, it, it keeps being my money, and it's because I'm not giving like I'm supposed to. And he got out his phone right there. He's like, I'm sowing a seed right now. So he gave. I don't know how much he gave. I didn't ask him. Um, that night, him and my daughter were talking about it. And she said, why don't you call the, why don't you go to the school tomorrow and see if somebody turned it in? So he comes out to me. He said, mom, I know this is going to sound crazy, but we prayed about it and I know God is in this. So tomorrow, will you take me to the school to check if somebody turned it in? Now I'm going to be honest. I was like, I'll take you. Um, but it's just a little wallet there with $300 cash that, you know, it's not traceable. Um, okay. I didn't say it to him, but in my, my mind, I was thinking it's not likely. So we get up the next morning and we call the school and she said, oh no, you know, the lady we talked to, she's like, well, you can come and check the lost and found, but you know, there's a lot of people. And I said, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, and a few minutes later she called me back and she said, you should get up here. There's a wallet matching that description. So we got there and it was his wallet. He didn't have his ID in it. So the wallet wasn't tra- traceable at all. Um, it just had his money, but he knew the amount of money that was in there. So he got it all back. And what a blessing was that? So one, you know, great. It's amazing that he got that money back. But two, he has been sitting here listening to our pastors. He's watched me faithfully tithing and giving and offering that that's where his head went. I didn't tell him he had to do that. He recognized that this is true. We, you know, when we're, we're about to say our, the, uh, financial faith confession, those aren't just words. We say these things because they're true and we believe them. And um, and what I was thinking about is Pastor Dave always tells us the time to uh, build the foundation is not when it's, the flood has come. You build the foundation before. So when, we, when we're faithful and we're here and we're giving, we're building that foundation for ourselves and for our children. And when the flood comes, we already know where the answer is. So... Um, With all that, let's go ahead into our financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, as you're worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, stay up here at the altar and let's praise the Lord together. We're singing our praise becomes your house, Father, your place. So let's make it so. In Jesus' name, let his word inhabit us. Our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes
That's who you are, Father. We just worship you on a day. You are the light in the darkness. You heal our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Only you can do that. So even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't hear it, you're working. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So sing this. you, Lord. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, or this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker. 
Father, when we see no way, there is a way. Lord, we thank you that there's victory right around the corner, Father. We thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you that it doesn't matter what we're going through, Lord Jesus, because we're not going through it alone. Father, we come to the altars and we cry out for you, Jesus. Father, we ask you to help us, Lord. We ask you to break these chains, Father God, Lord. Father God, we ask you for miracles. We ask you for healing, Father God. We ask you, Father God, that our marriages be saved, Father. We ask you that our children be saved, Lord. Lord, we ask you that our bodies are healthy and whole, Lord Jesus. Father, you are no respecter of a person, Father God. Lord Jesus, you said in your word, Father God, that if we serve you, Father God, that your word works for us, Father. We stand on holy ground right now, Father, and we declare victory in the name of Jesus. We declare whatever we're going through, it's bound in the name of Jesus. Satan, we rebuke you. We rebuke you from our lives. We thank you that whatever you're trying to do to stop us is not going to happen in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you that we serve a good God who does miracles, who moves those mountains for us, who tells the devil to get out of the way, who tells the devil that he has no right in our lives in Jesus' name. And, Father, as we sing this song again, Father, we declare that victory. We declare that victory no matter what it looks like, no matter what we feel. We don't go by our feelings, Lord, but we go by the word of God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are victorious because you're in our life. We thank you that we're victorious because you tell those mountains to be moved. You are God, and there is nothing impossible for you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing that verse one more time. worship a God who's already fought our battles and that we know the end of our story, right? Praise God. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and we're going to um, go ahead and do um, communion.
communion. We're going to take part in that. And Mr. Walt is going to lead us into that. You can stay up here or you can be seated. It's totally up to you guys. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm open up in prayer. Father God, I thank you this morning for us to be able to have the ability to come together and participate, Father, in communion. And we give thanks for the blood that was shed on that cross in Calvary that day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so a few things. So I just want to do just a little backstory of why we do communion. It started with Jesus' promise to spare us to eternal death and cover our sins by his blood, breaking his body and pouring himself out. If we believe we can have a relationship with him forever, the promise offered as a protection during the Passover was a dim reflection of the great promise Jesus made and fulfilled a promise of life forever. So as we gather and we come up to receive our elements, and you just grab your elements and just come and sit, go back and thank God for the ability to be here and to, to receive communion. Because around the world, our fellow brothers and sisters are suffering. They don't have the opportunity. But we need to be thankful that we have that opportunity to do that. So you can get in line and come receive the elements.
So this is an opportunity for everyone to take time and just reflect on the week that has passed and speak to God. You know, if you had a rough week, communicate with Him. Um, ask Him to forgive sins. It's an opportunity to just cleanse and start over, have a new. So take time, and we're going to have some time for you to just pray and speak and spend time with God. So Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for it is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins everybody good? So, as you partake in the, in the covenant, this new covenant has been established once again. It's always been a covenant, but as you partake in the, into the communion, it's like a renewed spirit. Fresh week to start over. And you just have an opportunity. I'm just thankful that we have the opportunity to gather to commune together. So, let me close in prayer. I just thank you, Father for those who are here today and those who are not here. And we give thanks for the ability, Father God, that we are able to share in the communion for your blood that was sacrificed on that day. And all these things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. That was just beautiful, wasn't it? What a great um, 
um, blessing it is just to be able to partake in communion, right? Just to be reminded of how great and wonderful our God is, right? I'm super honored and blessed to be able to minister to you guys today. I have never had a chance to do a Sunday morning. I've done Wednesday night and a Sunday night, but I've never had the honor to do a Sunday morning. So I'm super blessed and honored to be with you guys today. For those of of you guys that don't know me, my name is Desiree Garcia. I have been coming to this church for um, my son's 14, so about 14, 15 years. I've came a long way. I'm not where I want to be, and I haven't arrived where I need to be yet, but God's still working on me. I am the minister, um, I work in the Ministry of Helps. I'm the Ministry of Helps director here, and I'm also the pastoral assistant. So whatever they tell me to do, I just run and get busy and do what they ask me to do. But when I first started coming here, I wasn't the person that I am today. I was very, very different. So I want to talk a little bit about that with you guys. I want to give you a little bit of my testimony, a little bit of my life. And I hope that by me doing this, I'm able to encourage you guys and I'm able to help you guys grow. Pastor Dave has been talking and doing a series about growing up spiritually. And as I was praying and talking to the Lord and I'm like, what do I talk about? This is the title God gave me. So we're going to be talking about save, disciple, and serve. And I'm just going to give you guys ways of how I have grown up throughout the years, okay? So you guys ready for that? Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into this um, service, and then we'll go ahead and get started, okay? Father, I thank you for being such a good and faithful father. I thank you for the opportunity to be up here today, Lord. Lord, I thank you for using me. Lord, I thank you that the hearts are open and the ears are open to receive. Lord, I just thank you that we walk out these doors different. That we don't walk out these doors the same way that we came in. And Lord, I thank you for changing our lives. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for just being amazing and loving us and caring for us, even when we're unlovable, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you um, that your Holy Spirit is going to be in this service. I thank you, Lord, that it's not my words, Lord, but your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So I grew up in church. Um, As a matter of fact, I grew up in this church. My grandma started coming here many, many years ago, and she was very faithful to this church. Um, She brought me, she dedicated me from the time I was a little baby. Any time that the church doors were open, my grandma was there. She did Women's Aglow. I mean, she did everything, and she took me with her. I was like her little tail, and I went everywhere with her. Until up about third grade. Third grade, my mom decided to move down below. And got married and changed my whole world around. Because all I ever knew was like my grandma. I spent lots of time time with her. I went everywhere with her. Um, So about third grade, third, fourth grade-ish, I moved down below. And barely, rarely seen my grandma. My mom took me to church every so often. We tried a whole bunch of different churches. So I knew of God. And I was taught about God. But I really never had a relationship with him while I was growing up. My most difficult time in life, I would say, would be my teenage years, okay? So about sixth grade, my mom changed my world. I was the only child for forever. And I went on a trip, and I came back, and my mom had roomated with this lady who had, like, five kids, okay? 
um, changed my world because if you're the only child, you know that you go into shock when there's all these other ones going around and they touch your stuff and do all, you know, bother your things. And, you know, I was just a quiet kid. I liked to play in my corner and do what I had to do. Now I had all these kids and all this ruckus and craziness going on in my house. And not only that, the mom wasn't the best mom there was. Um, so I had to grow up really fast and I became the built-in babysitter of these five children. And so that was my life. It was the hardest thing for me, and I felt very, very alone going through this because nobody understood what I was going through. I was also judged a lot. Everything I did was always talked about by my mom's friends and um, family, no matter what I did, whether it was right or wrong. So I always felt the need that I needed to justify myself, and I was my only voice, so I had to stick up for myself. Around... Um, my junior year in high school, me and my mom split ways, and I had to stay in this house. And it was a drug house. It was devastating, and it was really hard. There was five little kids that I had to watch over, and I had to protect. It was no longer just myself. And when I say that I was in a drug house, I was in a drug house. It was bad. I had people that came in with guns and would have gunfights in my in the living room. Um, I would lock the bedroom doors while I slept on the floor with all the kids because I was scared and I didn't know who was going to come in. The neighborhood that we lived in was so scary that people had to watch me walk the kids to and from school. I don't know how many times I had to sit and pick lice out of these kids' head because the mom did not take care of them. It, it was disgusting. The, the kids, I would have to walk to the laundromat and do their laundry. So I grew up really fast, right? And I didn't really have much time for myself. But also in that time, I felt so separated from God. I knew who God was. I mean, I grew up in church and I heard about him, but I felt so lonely. Like, why would God do this to me? Why would God leave me to in an environment like this to take care of myself Where's that love that I hear about? Where's that compassion that I that I hear about? I was all by myself. And if I cried, I wasn't even allowed to cry. Like, I, I would literally go into a closet and cry so nobody would see, see my tears. It wasn't allowed. Crying was a sign of weakness. And I wasn't weak. I was strong, right? I had to be strong. I had to raise five kids. One of these kids, um, the mother was, you know... Um, it was just a bad situation, so she hated this baby. She couldn't stand her. And in sixth grade, I took this little baby and raised her like she was my own. You know, like I had to love her. I had to get up. I had to feed her. I had to do all these things. I grew up really quick, you know. And I'm like, God, where are you? I've heard about you my whole life, but I don't know where you are. And I began to get really angry and just really bitter in my heart. I had a lot of bitterness in my heart and a lot of feeling like nobody could ever love me. Here I am by myself, figuring out life, figuring out how I'm going to get deodorant, how I'm going to get shampoo, how I'm going to get conditioner. You know, I'm over here. It got worse as I got older because I decided to leave that situation. And now I didn't know where I was going to sleep. So I would bounce from house to house to house, you know, always worried like, God, where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to rest tonight? Where am I going to put my head? You know, and I just, I felt so alone. And one of the biggest lies the devil would tell me is, you're not worth it. You're not worth love. Nobody wants you, and nobody cares about you. Look where you're at. And so I grew up believing that lie. 
And then, um, I think I was about 19 when I met my husband and, um, we got married. And when I met my husband, I was like, man, I finally have somebody who understands me because we were talking on the phone one night, you know, we were young. So that's what you did, right? You talked on the phone. So we're talking on the phone and he's telling me his life story and I'm just listening and I'm like, so I'm not crazy. And I finally met somebody who could understand me because that's my life. You're telling me your life. That's my life. That's how I grew up. That's how I felt, you know? So, um, I just got really close to him and really attached to him and we got married and we had kids, but we didn't go to church. Like we went to church maybe the first three or four months, um, cause we wanted to get married in a church. So we went to church for a little bit, but we weren't really dedicated to going to church. Somehow we fell back into our old patterns. I went back to the lifestyle that we had, right? My husband was then stuck in addiction and I was very quiet about it. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I wanted to protect my husband and I didn't want nobody to know what I was going through. So again, here I am going through life alone, feeling like there's nobody to talk to, feeling like there's nobody who's going to understand me. I still know that there's a God, but I'm like, where are you, God? I know you're there, but where are you? So then I thought I got smart and I, I decided, and I knew about drugs, and I always promised myself I would not ever pick up a drug and do a drug, ever, because I knew what it did to people. But I was so devastated, and I missed my husband, and I wanted to, like, draw him in and wanted him to be with me. So I decided, well, you can't beat him, join him, right? So I joined him and got addicted to speed. And at that time, I had two kids. I had my oldest daughter and my youngest son, and... It got really bad. Like, things got really bad. We became homeless. We, um, I don't know how many different homeless shelters we went to. And let me tell you, being in a homeless shelter is very scary. Okay? I would have to sleep with one eye open. I remember waking up one night, and my daughter was on somebody else's bed. Really, really scared me. So it was just a terrifying time. Um, So I couldn't really sleep at night because I was worried about my daughter if you're married, we couldn't be together. They still separated the men and the women. So I'm with all my kids by myself and my husband's in a room by himself. So if I needed help with anything, I didn't get any help with the kids. Um, then we would stay in people's houses. Like we're just, we were, we were homeless. We didn't have anywhere to go, you know? And finally we found this motel, um, up on main street and it wasn't much. It was one tiny bed. It was probably like maybe a queen size or a twin. I don't even know what size it was. Um, it had a small little kitchenette in it where it actually had a little stove and it had a refrigerator and it had one tiny little closet and it was not much, but it was home to us, right? We all slept on the same bed. We all cuddled together, but the rent was really expensive and we were on welfare. We couldn't make the rent. So we would take our kids and we would go beg for money because we had to pay the rent because we didn't want to be back in the homeless shelters. So that's how we spent most of our days. We would wake up. We would go either by the bank or go out to Linwood or go out to wherever we thought we could beg for money. And we begged for money. And that's how we got our money. And that's how we made sure our kids were were fed. And that's how we fed our addiction. 
you know, and the devil had such a hold on us. He had such a hold on me. I was so hurt. I was so angry. I was so frustrated. I thought that that was going to fulfill me. But when I woke up in the morning, I still had those same feelings, right? Those things didn't go away overnight. So then um, I find out that I'm pregnant with my youngest. And I'm like, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I don't want this anymore, God. But you're going to have to help my husband because, you know, I need him to be delivered too. I need us to do it together. And I always knew about pastors here. I had seen them, you know, previously I worked at um, at Route 66 Pizza Palace. So I had known who they were. We had came here a couple of times, you know, so that's how come we knew who pastors were. We were drawn to them. And they would come into Pizza Palace and I'd be like, don't touch that table. That's my people. Stay away from them, okay? I'm going to wait this table. There was something about them that just drew us in, drew me in at least. And I wanted to be around them all the time. I didn't know what it was. So me and my husband are talking. We're up. We're up late. You know, because when you do speed, you don't sleep. <laughs> you just don't sleep. And I don't know how many days we stayed awake. You know, we just hardly ever sleep. And we started talking. And my husband started asking me Bible questions. And I'm like, I don't know. But I think there's a Bible in our drawer. Let me open it. Let me let me try to find those answers for you. Because remember, I grew up in church and I knew about God and I knew about who he was. So it struck my curiosity and I wanted to be able to give him the answers. Now, my husband was never a religious person. He only went to church with me a couple of times before we got married and the few times that we went to church. But he didn't really know anything about God either. So we get to the point where we find out that I'm pregnant. We find out that we're having a baby and my husband's like getting hungry. And the only thing on late night, late night TV, you know, when the late, late night TV comes on and it's the word and it's pastors, that's kind of like what we slept to and would, you know, fall asleep to. But I really believe that's where the Lord beginning putting that seed in our hearts for him and where we began to get hungry for him. So my husband and I, we both look at each other and we're like, we can't do this anymore. We got to figure something out. Like, let's try, let's try church. And the Holy Spirit was reminding me of this story. And I don't even think, I don't even know if I've ever told pastors this story. But I remember we were so hungry for church and we were sitting at Del Taco right here off of First Street and pastors were there. And I remember looking at my husband saying, that's those pastors. And my husband was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, we should go say hi. And he's like, mm-mm. We're not going to go say hi. And I was like, well, can we at least try their church on Sunday? Can we at least try their church on Sunday? And he was like, yeah, we can, you know. I mean, we had been, like, going to different churches. So he's like, sure, why not? You know, but I remember seeing that. I was so excited for that, right? And so we came to church, and we fell in love with Jesus. God restored me. God restored my husband. And when I stand here today and I tell you that he took the addiction totally away from me. Now, I know that there's rehab programs. I know that all that stuff's good for you. I know that some people need those things. I didn't need it. Jesus saved me. He saved my family. He saved my husband, which is one of my biggest prayers. You know, like he saved him. He delivered us. We came through these doors and we never went back. 
We never crave that again. And I don't know if any of you guys know about addiction, but addiction is hard to fight sometimes. You get cravings. You get sick from not having it. You go through all these things, but we didn't go through those things. God came in and he changed us. So I want to talk to you for a minute about getting saved, right? There is a difference between knowing of God and knowing God. And when you choose to get saved, when you choose to ask Jesus into your heart, he begins to change you. He begins to do something in you. But you know what? You can't, your grandma can't get you saved. I can't get you saved. You have to want it. You have to be to that point where you're like, enough is enough. I know that the world doesn't have anything to offer me. Jesus, you're all that I want. I want to give you a shot, God. I want to try you. I want to give you an opportunity, right? You have to want it. What is salvation? What is salvation? We hear that word. It's, it's, it's a church word, right? Oh, you got to get saved. Oh, you got to get saved. But what does that mean to actually be saved? To be saved from something means that you're being freed from your old ways, right? You're being free from the chains of the world. What do I mean by that? You don't have to be depressed. Depression, once you become saved, that goes out the door. You don't have to have an addiction. Once you find Jesus, that addiction goes out the door, right? You don't have to sit there and have a marriage that's destroyed, that you feel like you can't pick up the pieces to anymore. Because once you get saved, God begins to change you on the outside, and you become that husband or wife that God's called you to be, right? Salvation is delivering you and saving you from the works of the enemy, Fear, hopelessness, feeling like you're a loser. I mean, come on guys, look at me. Did you just hear my story? Did I, did you not just hear what I told you of who I was and how I grew up? And I'm standing here today in front of you and God's using me. But he wouldn't be using me if I didn't first get saved. See, nobody is not important to Jesus. Because Jesus created every single one of us. And it doesn't matter what we did in our past. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter the things that we went through. What matters is today. Today, is he going to be your Lord? Are you going to declare him King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Are you going to tell him, yes, Lord, I will live for you all the days of my life? Because that's what he's looking for. He created you. He made you so special. He sat there and he created. The Bible says he formed you in your mother's womb. Before your mother even knew you, he created you. He said, I want you to be something. I want you to be somebody. You are his masterpiece. And all the lies that the world's told you. Maybe you were abused at home and your parents beat you and told you you were nothing and you were a loser. That doesn't matter. Because in God's eyes, you're a winner. He created you. But we first have to get saved, right? So John 3.16, if you want to turn there, says, sorry, let me get some water. Okay. John 3.16 says, God gave a beautiful gift. His son took upon all of our sins, mistakes, and lies of the, oh, sorry. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus took our place. God loved us so much. 
He wants us to spend eternity with him. He gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of Jesus. Jesus died on that cross. He took that pain. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine what he went through? Could you imagine how he felt the pain and the suffering that he bore so that we could have a relationship with Jesus? God loved us that much. You're that special to him. You're that valuable to him. You know, I hear people tell me all the time, oh, I'm not going to go to church because if I go to church, I'm just going to burn the place up by, by me walking through those doors. That is a lie from the enemy. That is not true. By you walking through those doors and you hearing about Jesus, he loves you so much. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to hear it over and over and over and over. He loves you. There is nothing you can do to separate that love. There's nothing you can do to take it away. There's no, nothing that, no mistakes that you can make that can change him from loving you. God gave his gifts. He gave it to you and to me. And we have to be able to say, Lord, I lay down my life. I want you. You have to be the one to make that choice. And how do we get salvation? Um, turn with me, please, to Romans 10, 9 through 10. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's confessing with your mouth that you are saved. You don't get saved by your works. You don't get saved by doing right things or nice things for people. You get saved because you speak with your mouth and you believe with your heart. Right? That's how you get saved. And nobody else can do that. You have to be the one to, to open your mouth and say, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. You know? And once you ask Jesus to come into your life, you become a new creature. You're not that person you used to be. God comes in and he begins changing you. You know, when I came into church, I was lost. I didn't know how to be a wife. I didn't know how to be a mom. And I definitely didn't know how to be a Christian, right? And I didn't know how to love people. I didn't know any of those things, right? I was an angry, bitter person. I was lonely, and I felt uncared for. But the second that I I asked Jesus into my heart, and I said, Jesus, I choose you. Come into my life. Change me. Make me better. Renew me. He began to change me. He began to work inside of me. And the hardest thing for me to do was to forgive myself. Do you know that for years, I was embarrassed to tell my testimony? I couldn't stand up here and tell you guys what I just told you. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated by myself, by my own story. I didn't want people to know that about me. I wanted people to think that I had it all together and life was just great. And God came to me one day and said, stop being silly. You're being silly. Stop. Your story can help somebody else. Your story can give hope to somebody who's gone through what you went through. So you hold your head up high because I'm not that person that I used to be. And I'm able to stand here and say that this is what Jesus did for me. 
This is what Jesus did. This Here's my story. I can't give your story, but I can give my story all day long. And so I started learning that and being reminded of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man... Be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, God is a good God. He gives us a second chance. He gives us a chance to start all over again. He gives us a chance that whatever we did in the past, he forgets about it. It goes away. Right? Thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're so loving and so kind. That I'm a new creature. I'm not that person anymore. You know, and I have learned so many things in my journey. I have learned, and we'll get to that in a second, but man, God has done some good things in my life. God has shown me some good things. God has put some good people in my life to help me live victoriously. Praise God for that. You know, so I just want to challenge you guys today. That if you're sitting here and you're beating yourself up for the past, stop. Stop doing that, okay? Because you know what? It's not even a second thought to God. What happened in the past, that's the past. The second you came in and said, Jesus, come into my heart, he gave you a new chance. You have an opportunity to start over. So forgive yourself. Let go of that. Let go. Because that's just a lie from the enemy. That's a chain that the devil wants to hold on you. You know, and you got to let that go. You got to know that no matter what you did, I don't care what you did in your past. Your past don't matter. What matters is what you're doing today. What are you doing today for Jesus? That's what matters. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. Here's another good one that if you're going through, if you're going through those lies, you need to remember this one. It says, you were dead because of your sins and became your sin, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the change, of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing on the cross. And I want to read verse 14 again. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And took it away by nailing it on the cross. He took away those charges. What you're guilty of before you found Jesus, it's gone. Nail it on the cross. I challenge you today to leave it at the cross. Don't forget about it anymore. I mean, don't talk about it anymore. Don't beat yourself up about it. Use it as a testimony, but don't sit there and and tell yourself you're a bad person or God can never use you. Because God's using me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for God to, to, to use me. I never thought in a million years God would use somebody like me. But here I am. But I had to learn. I had to learn that my past was okay. My past was okay to talk about. It wasn't an embarrassment. It was answers for other people. And I'm a living testimony of what my God can do for you. Okay. So that's the first part. Okay. So we get saved. 
we find Jesus, we ask him into our hearts, then what? Right? Because there's, there's more to that. Like, you don't just get saved and then you go out there and you got all the answers and you're ready to go. You have to get discipled. Right? So say, you get saved and then you get discipled. What's discipleship? So for me, remember I told you guys that I, oh, I just didn't know nothing when I came to church here. I, I was like a sponge just eating it all up. Okay? I didn't know how to be a wife. I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do anything. You know, I was just, I only knew the ways of the world. I only knew the ways that I was taught. And so when I came into these buildings, I was hungry. Pastor would come up here and preach and I was just like a sponge soaking it up. I had my notebook out. I had my Bible open. I was highlighting stuff. I was circling stuff. You know, um, anytime there was a Bible study, I showed up for a Bible study. Anytime there was a work day, I showed up for a work day. Anytime that I was able to make friends, I made friends. My very first friend that I made here was the Matas. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best friendships God could have ever given me in my life. Leah has been one of my really, really good friends for many, many, many years. And we have raised our children together and done things together. But man, when you want to know the truth, you need to have a friend who's going to tell you the truth. And who's going to tell you like it is. And Leah was that for me. You know, there'd be times when I call her and I'm crying and I'm like, I'm going through this. I don't know what to do. And she'd be like, well, the Bible says... You know, and sometimes we don't really want to hear what the Bible says, but we need to hear what the Bible says. You know, sometimes we just want to hear what we want to hear, but we need to have those friends that are going to lift us up and tell us what the Bible says. We need that discipleship, right? I came to work days and I worked beside Robert, who I've talked about before, but I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't have my dad. My dad has been missing since I was a little girl, so I never had a dad in my life. And I was always scared to talk to men because they scared me because I didn't know how to talk to them. But then I met Robert. And Robert kind of took me and my husband under his wing and was just an amazing, wonderful person who discipled us, right? I don't know if any of you guys have ever had the opportunity to work with Robert, but he has a servant's heart. And I honestly believe the reason why I love to serve so much is because of that man and what he's taught me. He would teach me to come in and care about how the chairs, you know, were properly put. And he would come in and he would teach me, you know, why it's important to make sure for Harvest Fest that all the lights are functioning and doing this and doing that. But it wasn't so much of how he was doing it. It was that he was becoming that father figure to me to be able to come to me and tell me, Sister, that's wrong. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't think like that. You shouldn't say things like that. He would correct me. And it was an amazing thing to have because I still remember those things. You know, I still remember working alongside him. And that's one of the best ways to be discipled is to come in and watch how we work in God's house. Watch what we do. Work beside us. You know, come, come do, you know, come clean. Come do a vacuum with us, you know, or clean the bathrooms with us. You know, or come plan an event and see where our minds are and, and, and where pastors' minds are and, and what they're thinking and what their vision is and what they see. And then you make these friendships, right? And you're able to grow and you're able to learn because now you're, now you're looking at people that have served God for a little while and kind of, you know, know a little bit about a little bit and they're able to help you and they're able to reach out to you and they're able to pull you up when you feel like you can't be pulled up, right? 
And so here at High Desert Word Center, we have a lot of ways to help you get discipled. And one of them is our lift groups, right? Living in faith together. Those things are so important. Because again, there's only so much you can get by coming into service, right? But when you're in a lift group, when you come to a women's meeting... And you sit there and you hear about a mom who's having a hard time with her kid or a a single lady who's believing for a husband and she doesn't know what to believe or doesn't know, you know, whatever or whatever goes on in those women's meetings. It's encouraging to you. You're able to make friends. You're able to come in and be like, hey, come sit over here with me, you know, and while we're eating, we're talking, we're fellowshipping, we're having a good time, we're building those strong relationships, we're we're building those friendships, right? Same thing with the men. Because the men come in and they may not know how to be dads. They may not know how to work. They may not know how to handle their crazy life, you know. They may be newlyweds and marriage is crazy to them, you know. They don't know what's going on right now. But now here's a men's group where they eat good food because, you know, you got to feed the men. That makes them happy. You know, if they eat good food and then they get the word of God and they're able to talk, they may not talk as much as as women do, but they talk a little bit, right? And they're able to build these friendships. They're able to grow. They're able to find people that encourage them. This walking group that we're doing, it's an opportunity for you to come and and talk to people and and just have a good time and fellowship. Because, you know, one of the biggest things that I I used to think about being a Christian was that it was boring. Man, Christians are boring. We're not boring. We're so much fun. We can have just as much fun as anybody out there has. We have a good time. You can have a good time being saved and loving Jesus. Come out and see it. Yeah, we may be a little bit weird, but that's okay. You'll be weird with us. You know, it's okay. These things helped me grow. These things helped me change. These things helped me to become a better Christian. These things brought me who I am today. And every time these doors were open, I was here. I felt the need. I wanted to be here. I wanted to work. And my husband would be like, why? Why do you want to be there? And then he started wanting to be here all the time. Because it helps us. It grows us. You know? The live family, that's like one of the best things ever because you're coming in together as a family. And hello, I don't know if you guys heard my story, but I don't have much of a family. You guys are my family. This is my family. God gave this to me. And so when we do family lift groups like that, it's an amazing time so that I can sit there and, and fellowship and, and watch your kids grow and watch your families grow and talk to you about those things. You know, and, the, and I know for you guys, it's an amazing thing too. You guys come in and your kids are able to play and you're able to breathe for a minute because they have a playground to run around on when we do the park thing, you know. You can sit there and you can breathe because, you know, they're on the swing set and you can actually have adult conversation for a minute because sometimes that's difficult to do when you've got little ones at home you know all these lift groups are built so that you guys don't feel like you're doing it alone and it becomes a discipleship for you and it helps you to grow so with that being said don't tell me you're a disciple of christ when you have no desires for christ okay so you're not a disciple if you don't desire anything about christ or jesus okay Don't tell me you're a disciple when you deliberately rebel against God's word and use Jesus Christ dying to justify your continuous lifestyle of sin. Because you're not a disciple 
If there, if you're out there doing things that you know are wrong and in your conscience you do not feel it, you are not a disciple of God. You are not wanting to live by the word of God. Right? Don't tell me you're a disciple when you truly want to follow the world. You think you're saved because you go to church. You only pray when things go bad. And your life is not about Christ. It's about what he can do for you. If you're only coming to church because things are bad, you're not a disciple of Christ. You don't, you're, you haven't got the whole concept of what following Jesus is. Okay? And we have to grow up and we have to spiritually mature to where we want that. We want to live like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to do the things that Jesus has taught us to do, right? And you want to make sure when you're a disciple of Christ, who you're hanging around with is important, right? When we're choosing people in our life to be a part of our life, we want to choose the people that are going to bring us up and not tear us down, right? We need those people who are going to pray for us, who are going to celebrate our victories, and who are going to cry with us when we're hurting, who are going to be there for us, and who are going to lift us up, right? Your friends should always be bringing you up with them, not tearing you down. When we're choosing the people we want in our lives, the friends in our lives, when you're a disciple, you want the people that are going to tell you the truth. You don't want the ear ticklers that are going to tell you what you want to hear because that's that can be destructive. That can lead you down the wrong path. That can lead you down the wrong road, Right? When you're a disciple of Christ, you want to be like Jesus. You want to check yourself in everything that you do and say, is this what Jesus would do? Is this how Jesus would handle this situation? Is this what Jesus would do? That's becoming a true disciple of God. When you become a doer of the word and you're not just simply just coming to church just to come to church, but now you're getting it and you're living it and you're getting it inside of you. So I got a couple of quotes and it says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. And I want to repeat that again. Discipleship is the, pro- is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. If Jesus were you, what would he do? How would he handle those situations? How would he handle your kids? How would he handle your marriage? How would he handle your friendships? How would he handle those people that don't like you? What would he do? Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. In order to be a disciple... You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to self-evaluate yourself. You have to be able to take a look at yourself and say, God, what can I change? Lord, in that situation, maybe I hurt so-and-so. Maybe I did something 
God, what did I do wrong? How could I have done that better? Search my heart, God. Help me. See, self-examination is a hard thing because we want to lie to ourselves. We want to tell ourselves that we're just amazing people who don't do nothing wrong. But when you self-evaluate because you love Jesus and you want to be like Jesus, you take it seriously, right? You want to change. You want to take those things out of you that are wrong, the wrong thinking. You know, I recently had to pray to God and be like, God, I just want to love people more. I know that I have a difficult time, Lord, seeing people how you see them. I know I get frustrated. I know I get upset. I know I don't want to be like that anymore, God. These are your people. Help me to see what you see in them. That, that became my prayer every day. Help me to see people the way you see people, Lord, because I know you see something in them because those are your children. So help me to see that. And that was the hardest thing for me. That was the hardest prayer for me to pray. Loving people was the hardest thing for me to do. Because remember my story? Remember I told you that I felt... Like I was unloved and uncared about. And when you feel that way, to be able to learn how to love people, that was a difficult challenge for me in my life. You have to self-evaluate every day. You need to check the following things. Where's your love walk? How are you looking at people? How are you viewing people? Are you getting angry at them quickly? Are you easily getting offended? Miss P always says, and Pastor always say, when your offense is high, your word level is low, right? Where's your offense level? Are you, are you just getting offended easily? How's your prayer time? Are you spending time talking to Jesus? And not just, God is good, God is great, bless his food in Jesus' name, amen. That's not the kind of prayer life I'm talking about. I'm talking about, are you talking to Jesus like he's your best friend? Are you including him in every part of your life? Are you asking him to guide and direct you in every single thing that you do? That's the kind of prayer life that I'm talking about. You have decisions to make. You're sitting there talking to Jesus. You know, how's how's that going? How's your word time? Are you just looking at the verse of the day? Or are you opening your Bible? Is the only time that you open your Bible when we're here in church? Or are you opening your Bible at home and studying and telling the Lord, help me, show me things in this word? Because this is where the answers are. This is where the answers are. All the answers to all your problems and everything that you're going through is in this book. And if it's just getting dust on your bookshelf, it's not doing you any good. You have to open it. You have to spend time in it. You have to allow God to change you. How is your word time? What is your church attendance like? Are you coming to church? Are you finding silly excuses not to come to church? Because when you're a disciple, you need to be here. You need to be under the word. There's power in this sanctuary. The Holy Spirit shows up. He's able to speak to you. He's able to guide you. He's able to direct you. But you have to have your Bible open and be in a service. When we come up and we worship the Lord, there's power on this altar. There's things that God can do. But if you're not here, God can't do those things in you. You know, you have to make it a point. See, I didn't tell my kids that we have to go to church. I told my kids they get to go to church. It is a privilege to get to go to church. 
And my kids are grown now, almost grown. I have a 20-year-old. My son's going to be 18, and my youngest is 14. Um, but my youngest gets really, really mad if something happens and we can't go to church. When COVID hit, he was furious. He was so mad. He was like, I need to go to church. I need church. But that's because I've done that with them their whole life. They know that they need to be here. And it's not something that I tell them, you have to go to church or else. No, we are going to church today. We get that privilege to go to church today. And I put that in my kids, and they're so honored, and they love to be in this building. You know, so that's what a true disciple, a true disciple is, you know, is just being a, being a doer of the word, not just sitting here, you know, you're taking notes. That's great. But are you going home and reviewing those notes? Are you doing what our lift Bible study does and sitting there getting together and trying to reflect on how this sermon, how what pastors stand up here and tell us how that can help us, how that can change us? Are we living like we should be living outside these walls? Are we being the light of God outside these walls? You know, that's my prayer every day. I work in a very, very dark and crazy place. There ain't very much Jesus where I work. But you know what? I try very hard to be the light. I try very hard every day. I pray and I say, Lord, just help me. Just help me to, to be your words, be your hands, be your feet, be that light. And I don't know how many times a day I, I take people and I have to minister to them and I have to talk to them and I have to pray with them. I have certain people that will be like, Des, I'm having a bad day. Can you just come pray for me? And we go to the side and I pray. I give them the word. I encourage them. I tell them about my life. You know, what I live here is what I live out there. God's not a joke to me. I want to live. When I go to heaven, I want him to say, come on in. You did a good job. You did a good job. And that's part of being a discipleship is coming, you know, just changing your life to where you're a light of Jesus, where you're helping others. And finally, we're going to talk just for a few minutes about serving, which is one of my favorite things to talk about because I'm the Ministry of Helps Director, and I just love people that serve. But I didn't get here overnight. I didn't get the passion and the love for serving overnight. It's something that the Lord placed in me. It's the gift and anointing that he's placed over my life to love to serve and teach others how to serve. And so, first, got to get saved, right? Then you get discipled, and then you serve, Okay, serve is not a bad word. Working in the church is not a bad word. Okay, we need every one of you to do your part in God's house. And I just want you guys to think just for a second about the first time you came into this building. The first time you walked in, what is it that kept you in these seats? Was it the greeter? We have some really good great greeters here at High Desert Word Center. Was it the meet and greet that somebody actually came up to you and was excited to talk to you and give you a hug? Is it the children's ministry, the nursery ministry? Could you imagine if we didn't have those workers right now, how crazy it would be in this building? What kept you coming? See, if we can't meet the needs of the people in these seats, we can't reach out to them and they can't get saved. 
So once we've done the work and we've got saved and we've been discipled, then now we need to go to work and find something in God's house to keep us busy so that we can get others saved. It's not just about us anymore. It now becomes about others. We want others' lives to be the way that our lives were. We want Jesus to come in and change their families. We want Jesus to come in and touch their lives. We want Jesus to come in and be able to see the testimonies on other people's lives. But if we're just sitting here and we're not getting busy in God's work, there's other people up there doing it. And God's giving you the gifts. And they may not be so gifted, but they're just filling in. But imagine if you were to do your part. Imagine if that gift was be, was able to be used. There is nothing in God's house that is more important than any other thing. If you think about our body for a second, our hands, our feet, our heart, our hair. God created everything for a reason and a purpose, right? Everything has its part. There's a lot of things going on in my body right now, but nobody can see what it's doing, right? It's just doing it. It just knows to do it. That's how God set up our church. That's how he set it up. That's how he designed it. And if we're missing a toe, we're going to be off balance. If we're missing an elbow, we're not going to be able to bend properly, right? If we're missing an eye, we're not going to see clearly. And the eye can't do the part of the nose because the eye can't smell, right? God's given each and every one of you a gift and a purpose. And he needs you here in God's house to do something. There's so many things to do here at the church. I think of Miss Jamie. She is an amazing woman of God. But when she came in, she reminded me a lot of myself. This girl is just happy to clean for Jesus. And she comes in and her music's playing and she's dancing around. And she's just so excited to take a vacuum out and clean. She's excited to do the toilets. Guys, that's how I started. The very first time I was ever asked to serve, pastors asked us to come clean out vacuum cleaners. And me and my husband are like, yeah, that's not so bad. There was about 20, 30 vacuum cleaners. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but there was a lot of vacuum cleaners that needed cleaned out. And I'm talking about the belts were broken, cleaning the brushes. You know, it was it was some work. But we were so excited to come into God's house. And so we show up and, and we're ready to do the vacuums. And we show up to the office and they walk us over here and then they leave us. And I remember looking, me and my husband look at each other and we're like, they left us alone. They trust us. You know, it was just such a great feeling. But that's where we started. And then God um, moved us up and my husband became um, the maintenance worker and, and the groundskeeper. And I did all the janitorial work. Now, if you look in these buildings and you look at all the other buildings, that's a lot of cleaning. And I was um, a housewife with three kids, so I would bring my kids with me. And I would teach them to work together. And again, I would tell them, we don't have to do this, we get to do this. We are honored and privileged to get to clean the Lord's house. And one son would have the vacuum, you know, my little one. I would put the comment on the toilets and tell him, scrub till there's no more green. Like, I had to get creative because I needed my kids not to make a bigger mess in the church while I was cleaning. So I had to teach them to work alongside me and to do things with me. Then the Lord moved me up, and um, I worked in nursery for a little bit. 
Then they asked me to do children's, and I said, I will do children's, but I will not teach. Do you hear me? I will not teach. I will help you with those kids. I will bring out snack. I will do whatever, but I will not teach. Don't ever tell the Lord what you won't do. Because look at me now. Just saying. So here I am. You know, so I, I did children's for a little bit. Um, then I went back and forth from nursery to kids club to children's. And then when Miss P stepped down from Ministry of Helps, she handed it over to me. So that's a little bit of a journey of where I've been and where I've served. But I wanted to say really quick what a blessing it's been because I've been able to serve. Remember I told you the story about my little kids who would come serve with mom? And my husband was the maintenance guy, so he'd get on the ladder. And my youngest kid, if any of you guys know him, his brain works a little bit differently. And he likes to fix things and like, why is that do that for? And I can't teach him none of that because I don't know any of that. But my husband would take him alongside him and show him, this is how we change the lights. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. This is how we do that. So he was able to help him. But I'm telling you today that each one of my kids serve very happily in this church. They don't feel forced. It's not something that I make them do. My son Jojo is like the baby nursery whisperer. And if you've ever worked in nursery with him, he knows the do's and don'ts like it's nobody's business. Like he knows how to do nursery ministry. But he loves kids. He loves those babies. That is the gift that God gave him. And so he's working and serving in that. My daughter, um, she's an amazing young woman. She just turned 20 years old. She graduated high school last year. And as a matter of fact, I was sitting um, at home the other night telling my husband this story. We're looking at each other saying, we are so blessed. We are so blessed because we've raised some really good kids. My daughter serves on the worship team. Um, she serves in youth group and she serves in children's ministry. <laughs> she's a busy girl, but she does it all. And she loves Jesus and she's anointed and blessed and able to do it. But God's put these gifts in them, just like God's put gifts in you. And the church needs you. The church needs you to do your, your, your part. See, nobody is incapable. Remember my story? Remember how I told you? Is it all coming together now? Remember how I told you in the beginning how I grew up and where I came from? To look at where I'm at now. And all I said was, here I am, God, use me. I'm ready. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. I'm here. I want to serve. And so I did this lesson on a Wednesday night, and I talked a little bit about um, the the um, parable of the so, of the the talents, right? And I'm not really going to go there for the sake of time, um, but I'll give you homework so you can go home and study it yourself. But Matthew 25, 14 through 26, it talks about the parable of the talents, right? And one guy, you know, um, this master gave three different people, three different pieces of talents, you know, and, and um, each person did something different, right? But the last person came and said, I was kind of scared to do anything with that talent, God. So I buried it and I hid it and here's it, here it is back to you. Like he did nothing with it. I don't want to be that person that tells God, I was too scared, so I hid the talent that you gave me. I I hid what you you gave me, God, because I didn't want anybody to know that I had it. I didn't want anybody to know that I had that ability to do that. I want to be that person that says, here's what I did with the gift that you gave me. Here's how we were able to save other lives, because I did that talent that you asked for, God. Here's what I did with what you gave me. 
And God's put something special in each and every one of you. And like I said, there's so much to do around here. There's so many ways to get involved and serve. You know, you don't have to be a children's church worker, although it is an amazing thing to be. I will say that. You don't have to work in the nursery. But let me tell you, those people that are working in the nursery, they're not just babysitting babies. They're praying over those babies. They're confessing God's word over those babies. And those babies are learn, are learning memory verses, and they're learning about Jesus. That's what you put into those things. We need we have greeters, you know. If you just have a smile on your face, God can use you to welcome somebody who's coming in and lost. See, we don't know who God's going to bring through these doors and what their needs are. But we have to be ready. We have to make sure that we're able to meet those needs, right? So maybe you just have a beautiful smile and you're able to stand at the door and tell somebody good morning. What a blessing that is, right? Maybe you don't have a lot of time, but maybe you have, you know, an hour on a Friday to come in and and spend time vacuuming with your family. Because I'm telling you, when you do, when you serve together as a family, it is such a blessing. It is such a beautiful thing. Maybe you have computer skills and you could come in and you can register those kids for us real quick. That doesn't take up a lot of time. That's about an hour, an hour of your time, you know, for the service. Not even that long. You know, maybe you just have great customer service skills and you're able to work in the bookstore. You're able to help Melinda back there in the coffee bar. You know, all these things are here for a reason. The coffee bar is here so that people, families that are rushing, they could feed their kids for one, which thank you for that, Melinda. That's just amazing. But also it's a time to fellowship. If you come in on Sunday mornings and you see all those people out back there in the coffee bar, They're fellowshipping. They're getting to know each other. They're talking. They're having conversations. You know, maybe you can be a part of that. There's just so many different things that we do here. Maybe, you know, you don't have a lot of time, but you can come to a Saturday and you can come cut some weeds and make God's house look pretty and presentable on the outside. There's something that God placed in you that you do well. And he needs you. He needs you. And in closing... Our church's statement is that we are, what? Does anybody know what our statement is? We are, what? We're a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. How do we do that? We get saved. We just get discipled. And we serve. Those things are going to make you victorious, right? You get saved. You get discipled and you serve. So I really hope that this message has blessed you guys today. I really hope that me standing up here and telling my story has put something in your guys' hearts. And I challenge you guys today to let God in. And before I finish, I just want to say maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, right? Maybe you've Grew up in church and you had a grandma who loved you, who told you about the Lord. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you're fighting the Lord. Maybe you're like, ah, uh, Lord, I don't know. And you're, and you're just on the fence. I want to pray with you today. Before we leave this building, I want to give you the opportunity to allow Jesus to come into your life and do what he did for me, for you. So can I just have everybody bow their heads? If that's you, 
If that's, if, if you're that person in here that, you know, you've, you, you're just ready. You're done with what the world has to offer you. You're done with the lies of the enemy. You're done. And you're just ready today to tell Jesus, Jesus, here I am. I love you. I'm ready. I'm ready to confess with my mouth, Jesus, that you're Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings. I want you to raise your hand so I can say a prayer with you, if that's you. Maybe you knew the Lord before, and you served him, but you went another way. You stopped coming to church. You stopped doing the things that he asked you to do. But today you heard my message and, and you heard what I had to say and today is the day that you want to serve the Lord and you want to, you want to fully recommit your life back to the Lord. Raise your hand so we can pray with you. Thank you. I see the hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see the hand. And I want all of us to say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I love you. I repent right now for every wrong thing that I've done. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. I promise this day forward to love you, to honor you, and serve you. Come into my heart, Jesus. Change me, Lord. Make me new in Jesus' name. And as we stand up and get ready for a prayer, if you prayed that prayer today, Jose, stand up. Wave your hands. Mr. Jose right here would like to speak with you. And we have a thing called SPT. We don't want to just get you saved, but we want to help you get discipled. So um, Jose is going to hook you up with that. So if you said that prayer today, please go see him. Okay. So we're just going to go ahead and stand up. And if anybody needs prayer, if my prayer team can come forward, anything at all, we're here to pray for you guys. And I just want to tell you guys again, thank you for the opportunity for me to be able to be up here and minister to you. I love each and every one of you. And 